Coming in for a hard landing, Tails. You got me covered? Roger. Who's Roger? He's talking to me. Thanks, buddy. Hello and welcome to All Over the Podcast. I'm your host, Abdullah, and it's time, guys. It's time. Roger Craig Smith, everybody. What's going on? My friend Tom is so jealous because he's a huge Sonic fan, and when I told him like I was going to interview you, he, he just lost it. He lost it. What a bummer to be Tom. Sorry, buddy. Oh, man. Um, he had a bunch of Sonic questions I'm going to start off with because okay. I'm just, I'm just going to warn you guys right now, we're going to get the Sonic stuff out the way because we're, we're going to... And then it's going to devolve into normal conversation. So if you guys want voiceover stuff, it's probably going to be for the first couple of minutes. And then it's going to be a normal conversation. So you can guys can can uh, tune out later, as always. It's never a normal conversation <laughs> with me anyway, so don't don't sweat it. It's nothing normal. Um, when you got the role of Sonic, did Sega prepare you for what they wanted? Because I don't know if you know this, Roger, but uh, the Sonic fan base can be uh, very picky about... <laughs> about uh, that's not the Sonic fan base I know, not at all. Um, yes, no. They, you know what? I don't know that. They, here's what's kind of funny. They so this this happened in 2010, and I think it was Sonic, either Free Riders or I can't remember what what was happening. Or to where I got an email uh, from a gentleman who worked at Sega of America at the time, who said, "Hey, I just want to give you the heads up. We're going to make the announcement today that." you know, that you're the voice of Sonic in the next game. And and he said, you should just be prepared because I know that you had, I think at that time I had like my website that had like my email address and all that. And and he was like, yeah, you might be getting some emails or something. And I thought, all right, whatever. I don't think anybody's going to care kind of thing. And he said, so it's going to happen at like, like noon Pacific today. And I can remember sitting by the uh, computer having forgotten about the announcement being made. And then all of a sudden my, my little you know, email inbox uh, tone started dinging and it was just like, you know, like 1201, bing, 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 bing. <laughs> like all these emails started pouring in and it was people who were, you know, letting me know what they thought about me being the voice and they were not happy and some were nice, but um, others weren't. And it was just, it was funny. It was a funny thing to kind of all of a sudden go, oh, this is a very passionate fan base. And and I get it. So they they did prepare me for the fact that it's like, hey, you're gonna get you're gonna get some people kind of reaching out. Um, and to this day, I mean, we're talking, we're already ten years later, just because um, whatever game I would have been working on at the time, we would have been recording probably six months to almost a year in advance. Um, so I think we started in 2009 uh, working together. So we're well into uh, to you know it being over ten years of doing this. Um, and, uh, even though I think the release date, you know, 10 year anniversary is, um, November of 2020, but yeah, I mean, they, they, they kind of prepared me. And to this day, I still, you know, get people who feel the need to reach out and let me know that a decade into this, they, they like another actor over me and it's like, that's fine. But I, I don't understand the need for people to reach out and let me know. Um, and, uh, but, but I'm, I'm so used to it by now that it's, I don't give it a second thought. I mean, there is always going to be that one person who's like, you suck. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And it doesn't, I mean, it just doesn't matter. I mean, that's, that's the problem with social media is that anybody and everybody can kind of reach out and do whatever they feel like doing. And now they have access and it's frustrating when a lot of these people hide behind the anonymity of a Twitter handle that isn't their real name. And meanwhile, actors rarely have the choice. Um, 
because if we want people to know who we are so that we can be found to be a part of the community and be a part of these projects and these games, we have to use our real names. And, uh, and so we have to kind of be out there and exposed. And then we're kind of an easy target for trolls and people that want to, that just want to let you know they they try to get your, you know, feathers ruffled or whatever. And it's, it's just kind of silly. And I, I, I block, I block all the time. I always try to make sure that the person might not potentially have autism and doesn't understand the social nicety element of it. And I, you know, maybe I don't need to be uh, blocking them. Maybe they just don't understand that what they're saying is unkind or that kind of thing. But for the most part, if somebody's just being a, a, a bad person on the internet, I tend to just block and move on with my life. And that's the thing. It's like you can we all have our preferences, but at the end of the day, these are people who have feelings and, you know, are just doing their jobs. And if you can't understand that, then you deserve to get blocked, to be quite uh, to be quite honest, in my opinion. I agree. And it's funny because I've had like friends say like, oh, no, don't don't block. That's a some of them use it as a badge of honor because they you know, they got you to block them. And I go, that's fine. I don't care. I mean, like and even if it was a mistake or or it was a misunderstanding i always just say and everybody will be fine you know I, i'm like if i block somebody because i feel that they were being inappropriate or, or unfair uh then you know it's not as if that's the end of their life i mean they just got blocked by a voice actor it's like a, i mean there are far more terrible things to have happen in the world and i'd much rather have you know personal interactions with people. I, I, I often wonder someday if I'm just going to get rid of social media altogether and, and, and see what happens. And really and truly, it's like, I'd, I'd much prefer to meet somebody at a convention or not at all, or, you know, uh, do an interview like this and have these types of moments where it's an, you know, it's a conversation and social media is not a conversation. It's, um, 200 on Twitter, it's 240 characters of, you know, you're trying to edit and, put things out and it's like and it's a lot of like anonymity and things and so I, I, yeah it's interesting and it, and people do I think sometimes struggle with understanding that you know you are you're talking to a human being I know you think of me as the voice of a of a given character or you know that it's my job to entertain your opinion but it's not I'm a human being who has feelings like you say and I've got a life to live and I'm trying to navigate this life in a certain way to where I'm not causing harm to people and so Therefore, why harm you? Why not just block you and move on? <laughs> you know, just get on with it. Uh, moving on to my next question. Um, did Sega ever approach you uh, about voicing other characters in the franchise? Um, I don't know that they approached me about voicing other characters in the franchise as much as it's like when you're in the midst of a project, um, you know, any given sort of video game or that kind of thing, there's, there's always an opportunity for other characters to be done. Um, and we've done that throughout throughout the you know the history of my time with um with this you know gaming franchise that we've done other characters here and there um but I, it's not so much that they approach as much as it is it's a it's a need that that has to be taken care of um from a production standpoint so in the middle of a uh of a gaming uh, you know a voiceover session the director might say we've got this other character and it's got you know 26 lines and we need you to get it and you know this is the type of character and this is the voice print we're looking to go for all that kind of stuff so it's not so much that they come to you and say we'd like to offer you another role as much as it is it's on a need you know uh, on an as needed basis from project to project um you know and certainly we did a ton of you know incidental and um smaller characters uh on uh 
on like Sonic Boom, the, the the animated series. We did a bunch of different characters on there. So, you know, it's it's that kind of a thing. Um, and to be honest, I think I'm the only, I, I'm never, I'm, I'll just flat out say it. Dave the Intern is probably my favorite character of yours. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, I love that guy. It's so funny when, um, when I, when I see like footage of it, um, cause it's a really neat time right now. I mean, like a lot of the fan base is kind of sort of re-energized, um, as a result of the, the success of the, the CG film and, or the live action film. And, and a lot of fans are kind of going back and revisiting like Sonic Boom as a result. And it's neat to see people, you know, celebrating this stuff. And whenever I see Dave, the intern footage, I'm always like, what a fun, fun, zany character. Like my absolute favorite line from that series, um, and for that character was when uh, when somebody's like it was some random thing and, and he says like don't tell me what to do you're not my my mom's boyfriend <laughs> I just thought that was the most hilarious line for that character so I'm glad you like Dave the intern I had a lot of fun playing Dave the intern no because I had Colleen on the show and when we were talking about Sonic Boom they she flat out said like it was hard keeping a straight face during those recordings because you guys were just crazy <laughs> during the, that oh, time. Oh, yeah. And it was some of the best writing. I mean, like, you know, like uh, the, the writing staff on that show was second to none. They did a phenomenal job with it. And it's like, you know, we all as a cast, we got to to really benefit from from their hard work. And uh, and it's just a classic kind of a setup and punch pun filled show that that every now and then has some social commentary every now and then has some commentary on the gaming franchise on video games in general on corporate America, like all these different things that they were sort of lampooning and, and skewering in the midst of that. And it was a blast to be able to kind of poke fun at, you know, at all of that stuff, but doing it through the uh, the the sort of Sonic Boom world, it was a uh, it was a very fun fun show to be a part of, and we did we had so much fun at those sessions. I think uh, any favorite scenes from that from that show? Um, you know, I really liked the moments where we got to break fourth walls. Um, there was a time where uh, Sonic is calling out to Tails and basically saying like, you know, I, I think it was that he was he was coming in for a hard landing, and uh, and he's just giving Tails the heads up, and and Tails you know says. You know, Roger and Knuckles, of course, goes, who's Roger, you know, and and they let me just say it in my natural voice. I just said, like, oh, he's talking to me. And you know, it's, it's like for for Sonic to literally break that fourth wall um, to me, for me to use like a deeper, more natural register voice um, in the, you know, in the middle of a show like that. Like talk about a surreal and super fun moment to have as an actor who's so fortunate to be a part of that you know, that, that gaming franchise, um, to get a chance to kind of break character and, and just do you, uh, you know, because they're having just a, you know, a play on the word, you know, Roger, as far as like, you know, uh, CB communications or walkie talkies or what you know, call it, you know, two way radio communications, uh, to finish it with Roger. And of course them, you know, calling attention to my natural name. So I, I enjoyed that, but there, there was a lot of, one of the, I, I think one of the fondest memories I have of like a session was when both Mike and I, um, had to portray each other's characters. Um, so I was doing Eggman as Sonic and he had to do Sonic as Eggman. And it was just fun to kind of visit that and kind of play around with, uh, you know, us kind of making fun of one another as performers, but also as characters and all that stuff. It was a lot of fun. That's a, I think those are the moments I, I remember for whatever reason, that's what pops into my head today, but I can't tell you how many times we just laughed, you know, on those sessions. And, um, how did you feel when you uh, when you got the news that it wasn't coming back for a third season? You know, I mean, you get that news so much 
longer in uh, so much, you know, uh, sooner than a lot of fans, I think, realize. And and it's kind of funny. That's why I think it's hilarious that I think it just recently was announced or, or confirmed or something like that. And it's like, but I mean, you know, as an actor, you know, oftentimes, you know, as much as a year before the the end of the current season even happens, um, that that it hasn't been picked up because these things take so long to make that they typically, if a series is doing well, it's going to be every sort of season you're going to be doing some new recordings. And when they stop calling or if it's they're no longer seeing if you're available, you know, in a couple months, uh, making sure you're not on like some sort of a vacation or something like that. If they stop calling, you kind of begin to wonder, uh oh, I guess they they don't want to make any more episodes or they're going to move on or they're you know, or maybe the show wasn't doing well because this has happened countless times in my career. Um so it wasn't I mean, it was disappointing only because we were having so much fun on the show. But um, but it wasn't like devastating or anything like that. It, you know, that's part of the job really is that, you know, and especially in this day and age, if you get a if you get a show that lasts even two seasons, you're really you're really kind of happy because right now it seems like three seasons is about about as much as most people get um, when it comes to uh, when it comes to series work. So it's it's it's. It's the I mean, that's we've got the the model, the broadcast model has changed. A lot of this stuff is now binge watched on, you know, streaming platforms. And so the idea that you're going to have seven years of, you know, seasonal work happening is just it's different. Um, so you get two seasons. You're happy if you get three seasons on a show, you're ecstatic, you know. Yeah, I mean, shows nowadays have a shorter lifespan unless, of course, the network really likes it and wants to continue it, then it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's just, I mean, that's just how it goes. I mean, it's like they and, and they will do things like they will put out, you know, an entire, you know, two seasons worth of uh, of episodes just all at once, you know, and they'll sit on it and they'll get all of it produced and all of it polished and all of it done and ready to go. And then they just throw it on Netflix and go, here it is. Everything's there. It is. It's all there. So you don't even really kind of kind of get the benefit of, of being an actor and getting to say, OK, this week, you know, tune in on Sunday. You know, there's two episodes airing on Sunday or, you know, it's, it's like it's just all, hey, I was involved in a show and it's all. all 56 episodes are right there for you now. You know, it's like, or however many episodes they've done, you just go, it's all, it's all out now. So it's a different, it's a different, it's just a different time in the way that we, you know, sort of consume our entertainment. And, and do you think like that has changed how the business works? Cause I've had um, Mick Wingert on the show and he talked about, he basically said like, when you go into the recording booth now, you're recording for streaming, for streaming services. So you have to make sure like your work uh, outlasts many years worth of, um, of, of even decades, years, decades, because people are always going to be streaming it now. So do you think that yeah. that has changed the way the recording process works now? I don't know that it's changed the recording process itself, but it just seems, I mean, for one, there's a lot of content, which is nice. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities, which is a good thing. Um, they've kind of watered down the budgets of a lot of these shows as a result. Um, you know, anytime there's an abundance of that kind of a, you know, a thing, it, it, it tends to mean that the, the budgets are getting smaller because there's more competition for the shows. Um, but it, it hasn't really changed the recording process as much. Um, but it, it, at least I don't think it's changed all that much. Um, but it's definitely, um, it's definitely changed the way that, that we consume our entertainment. And so, whether or not it's good or bad, it's like that that we have yet to see. I mean, it's, you know, the so much of what we engage in now as human beings is just instant gratification on, you know, 
myriad sort of mediums. I mean, from the way that we consume news, the way that we consume social media, the way that we consume entertainment and music and all that stuff. It's just like, I want it all now. Um, so it's interesting. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating thing to be a part of from a production standpoint, but the recording sessions are still pretty much the same. It just depends. And, uh, my final question from Tom is, um, what's the main difference between recording for the games and recording for Sonic Boom? So, I mean, that's just a good general question in terms of like games versus animation. Um, with games, you're obviously having to cover a lot of the interactive element, um, of the storytelling, meaning the player, if they're going to go take the character that you're voicing and have it jump against a wall, you know, over and over and over again. And all you've recorded is one jumping effort Sound of just a hup. It's like every time the player is, you know, pressing the A button to jump or whatever, you just keep hearing hup, 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 hup. It would get old and boring. So they have you in these sessions record, you know, uh, many different variations. You know, like all these different sounds to cover what the player may or may not be doing with that character. Whereas with animation, um, they know pretty much well in advance because they've already got a script and a storyboard, animatic, all these things that kind of help us go, all right, well, we know what's going to happen is the character is going to go in from this room, is going to fall on their face here, you know, stand up and run out screaming. Excuse me. Oh, sorry. Um, uh, the character is going to do this, you know, this very specific thing. And so you're just going to record that. There's no, there's no needing to get a bunch of other stuff that may or may not happen as a result of the, you know, as a result of the um, the player, you know, controlling the action. It's uh, so the the workload tends to be a lot more um, abundant with uh, a video game. It's a lot more cues. There's a lot more content. There's a lot more coverage of all the sounds that your character might make, all that kind of stuff. And in animation, it's nowhere near as much. So it's usually not as taxing on the voice. Um, and it's usually not as long. We can get, you know, sometimes two episodes done in uh, a few hours. Whereas like, you know, a video game, you'll have lots of sessions that last a full four hours each. And you're, you're not even like, you know, halfway through the video game. So it's a, it's a lot more work and a lot more vocally taxing to do game work in comparison to uh, animation. Um, speaking of video games, you've been in a lot of video games, as as um, as most people know. You you were Batman in Batman: Arkham Origins, uh, Ezio in in Assassin's Creed, Chris Redfield, and a whole bunch of other stuff. What's the most taxing thing that? Uh, what was the most taxing role you had during uh, video game record? Um, you know what's funny is like the the worst session I've ever had had in terms of being vocally stressed was uh, I did a Medal of Honor game. Um, I mean, this is really early on in my career, and it, it might have been like 2008, I think, maybe around there. Might have been like 2008. Um, I did this game. In fact, Yuri Lowenthal and I were in the same game, and we both talked to this day. We talk about that session because we didn't have a professional director. We had an employee of the gaming company that was um, directing the session and a professional voiceover director will always be very aware of like, you know, um, how stressful they're, you know, sort of making the session for the actor in terms of like what they're asking you to do with your voice. Um, and, uh, and with this particular session, we had to do like four takes of every single line of dialogue. And because it was a combat video game, every line of dialogue was, um, shouted 
And the way that they approached it was like they wanted the first two to be, I think what they called like loud. The uh, the third you know take was supposed to be screamed. And the fourth take was what they called like balls to the wall. And it was just like scream until your voice cracks. And, you know, we did a full probably two and a half hour session. I mean, I was literally sweating. My abs hurt uh, from just, you know, straining your stomach muscles so much to scream and yell. And I was so vocally damaged that, I mean, I, I had to, I couldn't work for almost five days after that because I just couldn't use my voice. And sure enough, um, two days after that session, I got a call back for a Nickelodeon TV series and I, I showed up, but I couldn't do anything. And I, I couldn't use my voice, my voice sounded like this and I couldn't do anything with the camera. And so they were like, well, sorry, you're sick, you know, off you go. And I remember thinking, oh, I learned a, a very valuable and expensive lesson. And that's, you know, with video games, there were no residual structures at that time. And it was like, you made what you made for the session and that was it. You know, if the game came out and sold, you know, millions and millions of copies, you weren't gonna get any more money. And and with animation work, um, you know, one animation gig can lead to 50 episodes. And so you're, you're still making your little session fees and that kind of thing, but it's, it can be far more lucrative to book an animation role than a video game role. And to have gone in and blown out my voice like that, um, you know, for a combat game, I was like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. I, I, I don't, I don't want to do that type of vocal work because it's just so damaging and it's, it costs you more in the long run than you earn. So it's, it's a bummer. Yeah. I mean, uh, Dave Soboloff damaged his vocal cords, uh, recording uh, modern warfare back in the day. So yeah. Yeah, no, it can happen. I mean, it's like, I, I know for a fact, I mean, like I tell people I don't do a lot of conventions because it's like, I, I say, guys, I, I, a, I can't travel, um, you know, for one. And, uh, it's, it's really stressful to travel. Um, I always run the risk of getting sick because, you know, you're on a plane and then you're, you're losing sleep and you're changing time zones and you're, then you're going to a convention center and you're having to talk like, you know, at this sort of projected elevation, cause you're talking over everybody's you know, everybody's got noisy tables and there's music and there's, you know, it's, it's you know, thousands of people in a convention center and, and doing that on the weekends when I've spent the week working with my voice, usually the weekends are when I go and I try to be as quiet as possible um, so that I can actually rest, rest the voice, you know, kind of recuperate and get ready to go do a bunch of weird stuff with my vocal cords again for the following week. Um, so yeah, it's, and, and the damage is there. I, I know my voice cracks more now than it ever has um, because I'm just, you know, I'm getting older. I'm in my mid forties now. And it's like, you know, I'm doing a lot of stuff with my vocal cords that most people, I do more in, in a day than most people would do in a, in a year or two, um, just in terms of like manipulating your voice and screaming and yelling and doing all these different sounds. Whereas some people just kind of go an entire week without having to scream or yell. <laughs> and meanwhile, I'm doing it, you know, multiple times a day um, in different character voices, which can be very straining and stressful. So it's just, you know, it's a, it's a, it's not a, it's a first world problem to be sure, but yeah, it's the, the damage during video games is a very real um, concern for a lot of voice actors. And that was the whole uh, strike deal, wasn't it? Like a couple of years ago, that was the whole thing where one of the complaints was, you know, they were giving you too much stressful work on the vocal cords. <laughs> yeah. And they weren't giving us the heads up and that there wasn't, there wasn't extra compensation for it because we kept making, you know, a lot of us got to the point where we were like fortunate enough to say, well, if you're going to have me go do that role, you need to pay me twice the normal amount because I'm going to have to take at least two days off. Uh, meaning I can't work. 
So it's costing me money to do your job. So you need to compensate me as such because you're asking me to do something. It harms my ability to do it again. And that's unprofessional to other clients and that kind of thing. So there was a lot of issues about about the way that the, the production companies were handling this. They weren't giving you the heads up that it would involve screaming or yelling. So you'd show up to a session from like nine to one, you know, in the uh, so you get 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. And knowing that you've got to go in and do another session right after that from two to six. And all of a sudden it's 11 a.m. And the client is saying, okay, so now we've got a bunch of like, you know, what they call battle chatter. And you start saying, oh, I didn't know that this was gonna be vocally stressful. Um, because I have to go do another session after this. So I can't scream and yell right now, I, or at least I can't do a lot of it. I can do a few lines, but I can't do the next hour and a half, two hours of just, you know, constantly yelling for, I need backup and, you know, call in the helicopters and, you know, all the, all the stuff that these, you know, combat games are always having you scream and yell. It's like it got to the point where, you know, the union had to kind of step in. There's a bunch of other things too about, you know, giving us a heads up on what we're working on so that if you have like a moral or an ethical issue with the content of a game, you don't have to be surprised when you get there and then find out that, ooh, this is, ooh, this is involving some things that I don't want to be a part of. You know, they wouldn't tell you that stuff. So there were a lot of issues that we were just trying to, you know, come to the table and say, hey, no more of this. Yeah, because I've, I've heard uh, stories where people like went into the booth and after a recording session, they were like literally vomiting out blood. And I'm like, wow, man, that's not that can't be that can't be uh, healthy. That just can't. That's what we, I've heard all those stories. And it's I, I know that that's very, 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 very rare. Um because honestly, if you're getting to the point where you're vomit, I don't know how you would vomit blood. Um, but if you're doing that kind of damage to your vocal cords and you're not speaking up to the director, then I, I don't know what's happening with you at that time. Um, I mean, you got to know that that kind of damage to the point where you're you would literally be coughing up or swallowing blood to induce vomiting. <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty extreme. But I've, you know, I've had sessions, even with an animation session, I had a client that recently was trying to get an entire library of, of uh, sounds um, for some odd reason. And, uh, you know, I knew that I had another session and they were asking me to do a bunch of things in a character voice that just normally you would never do for an animated series. Um, and I had to halfway through this whole thing, I had to stop because I just kept saying, guys, I, I'm, I'm my voice is starting to crack. My, I'm doing damage to the voice right now. And I have three other sessions after this. Can't can't do that. I, I have to be professional to my other clients. And so I got to, you know, I got to take a break or we got to figure something out. But I, I can't do this right now. This is this is above and beyond the scope of work that wasn't even tied to the, you know, the the episode that they wanted me to record that day. So it's it, it's. It's weird. I mean, it's and it's hard to complain about this stuff because it's a fun job at the end of the day. So you don't, you know, it's a nice job. It's a it pays well. Uh, but these are things that do, you know, these are just sort of the struggles, if you will, of the industry to where you got to, you know, you got to be careful. Yeah, I know. Because it's like, you know, you want to give the best performance you want to give. But at the end of the day, that performance isn't going to mean anything if you're like hurting yourself. Yeah, true. And what good am I to the next client? And, and I, I, I always just postured, I'm going to say, I have a professional responsibility to show up to the next session capable and ready to deliver on what, you know, booked me the role. If it was an audition or that kind of thing, it's like I, they are expecting that I show up ready to replicate what I did in my audition to get that role. And if I show up and I walk in saying, Hey, sorry guys, I can't, I can't talk right now. Then they're not going to care. It's like, I'm affecting their production. I'm wasting their time and wasting their money. And that's unprofessional. And so I, I tell people like I have a professional responsibility to my other clients as well. I mean, it's, 
it's a weird thing to, to navigate and balance because everybody that's working on any given project, to them, in that moment, it's the world's most important project. You know, whatever show they're working on, whatever, like this is the most important thing to be working on. And their assumption is that everybody that's coming in here is like a part of the world's most important thing. But then when you sometimes say, but yes, understand that I am working on, you know, on, on, on a good day, I'm working on four or five world's most important projects. <laughs> and it's like, I need to be able to, to show up and, and, and do right by those clients as well so that they also get their money's worth. And if you are asking me to go above and beyond what would be considered a normal, you know, um, expectation for, you know, the scope of work, then I have to speak up and say, Hey, we, we need to think about how we want to do this. You know, what, what we want to do going forward, that kind of thing. I mean, it helps to be professional. It helps to, to, you know, try to find a middle ground. And if you can't find it cool, and if you can't, then it's not worth it, man. It's not worth it. No, it's but and it's also when you're starting out too. I mean, and to, to anybody who's out there like wanting to start out and thinking that you, you, you start saying no right off the bat. Yeah, you, you should always if you get to the point where you think you're going to vomit up blood. Um, that's a health issue. And you probably should say no and stop the session. But um, but in the beginning, I think you have to also understand that in order to like get your foot in the door and start out, you do the kinds of sessions that Yuri and I were doing back then, which is you go in and you scream and you yell for video game roles and you're happy to do it because you're earning, you know, some accolades, you're getting your name out there, you're building a reputation, you're meeting more directors, you're meeting more, you know, um, video game production studios, post-production studios for, you know, all these different facets of the industry. And it's like, that's kind of how you have to start out. You know, you start out doing a lot of stuff you don't necessarily enjoy doing um, and you don't make a lot of money doing it, but it's, it's all in service of, you know, gaining, gaining experience, gaining more credits and all that kind of stuff. So it's a tough, it's a tough thing to kind of navigate um, when you start getting into that in-between phase. So and is it weird, like going back to, to to stuff you've worked on and listening to yourself <laughs> over the years? Oh, always, yeah. I I'm always like it, it's funny to think. As every now and then I'll come across like an, an audition that I did like in 2006, and I just laugh. I go, man, that was listen to like listen to how my voice is. You know, it's like it was all cleaner and it was a little you know it was nowhere near as, as low as it is now um because it was healthier it, it wasn't quite so damaged and that kind of thing so it's kind of funny to go back and listen to that stuff and go oh wow i was just starting out um and, and but it's neat i mean it's it's a neat thing it's it, it's kind of crazy to be in a in a career long enough to where you kind of you have those moments where you just go i can't believe i get to talk about stuff that i did you know 15 years ago that's really bizarre you know it's uh it, who'd have thought you know, I, 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 when you first start out, I think you're just happy to, to, you know, to work. Um, and you're not thinking about the fact that it's also going to be heard by a lot of people or, or the game is going to be played by a lot of people or that kind of thing. It's, you know, it's just kind of funny. It's, it's a weird thing to experience, but I, I, I enjoy going back and hearing early stuff that I did. And out of all the characters you've done, which one was the most, uh, which, which character took you by surprise by how, by how popular they ended up being? Um, you know, maybe Ezio, um, from Assassin's Creed only because I don't think we knew, you know, uh, Patrice Desilets, who was creative director on the project at the time, he, you know, he, he worked so hard and the entire staff worked so hard on making that game be sort of the, the, the polished improvement over the original Assassin's Creed that it was. Um, but I think everybody was just like, man, we just, you know, we knew that the first Assassin's Creed, people enjoyed it. They liked it. They thought, 
that it was pretty cool, but it had some combat issues and it had some control issues and things and it's a mission, you know, variance issues and all these things. And so nobody really knew if the Assassin's Creed 2 was going to catch on. And especially with this new character, um, you know, stepping into like an established character like Batman or Sonic or that kind of thing, you, you know, there's a there's inherently a built in fan base, whether or not they're going to like your version of it is yet to be seen. But it was like at least you knew with that that, well, there's fans of this series and of this character already uh but with a character like Ezio and with me doing you know speaking lines in Italian and and learning how to do that and doing an Italian accent that was sort of more like Italia Spanglinish um you know like like doing that you didn't know how it was going to be received so when it came out and then it 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 turned out to do really well it was a neat it was a really neat feeling it was a neat thing to be a part of that I mean, Ezio was a, because, you know, the first character, Altair, just, you know, was just a blank slate and people were like, eh, this guy's like, whatever. But Ezio, man, Ezio, I think more people are attached to, are attached to Ezio because you saw his journey from beginning to end. And that is a rare thing in video games. No kidding. Yeah. I mean, I always say like, it, it's, I, I, what an honor that I was allowed to do it and to do it over three games and a little, you know, animated short, um, to where we kind of put an end to the, the Ezio story in that way. It was, it was such a real, uh, it was such a treat and a real honor to be able to do that as an actor, um, you know, and, and in this business that, to, to have a studio say, yeah, we want you to play him at all these different age ranges when they could have easily swapped me out with an older actor or a younger actor or however they wanted to do it. Um, but they let me, you know, kind of take that on. It was a neat thing to be a part of that. Um, it was a really cool thing. It was, it was such a neat thing. It's, it's, I mean, Assassin's Creed is just such an amazing catalog of games, you know, to begin with. And then to also be a character early on, um, that, that, that sort of helped, you know, solidify the, the fandom of the, of the franchise was a neat, it's a really neat thing. And it helped like he had personality and he wasn't just like a blank slate of, okay, project yourself onto him. He's, he's a blank slate because you get to project yourself onto him. And I'm like, oh, that's lazy. That is so lazy. Yeah. yeah. No, it was neat that they, they, they had a storyline and, and, you know, that was, I mean, between that and maybe Chris Redfield, it's like the, those are more dramatic, you know, video game roles that I'm associated with. And it's like, you know, it was nice also getting a chance to be a part of those games and to have to do those types of performances. And, you know, I haven't really had a good, you know, sort of theatrical style dramatic role to portray in a long time. A lot of the stuff that I've been a part of is kind of still sort of over the top or um kind of broad you know that kind of thing which is a blast i'm not complaining it's just like every now and then it's kind of fun to kind of go visit something that that you know you you want to you want to take on a role a little bit more and, and and do do something that's a little more um nuanced and obviously batman's that way but even batman is kind of still sort of over the top and how you know how capable he is and how you know he's just so brooding and dark and you know all that kind of stuff it's like even that feels a little like it's still kind of superhero-y um it was neat to play a guy that had a connection I mean, my favorite line um from assassin's creed was always the auditory are not dead i'm i'm still here me Ezio, Ezio, Ezio auditore and the way that he delivers that to the town and getting a chance to scream it out um i thought that was a neat thing that was a that was a neat thing uh to be able to do as a character because it was just such a, a fun dramatic you know moment and it's like those those moments are kind of few and far between with with certain gigs and i i would be hesitant to not bring this up but i got a man because i really love this character mirage from apex legends 
How did that come oh, about? So that's another one. I mean, that's another one that's definitely up there in terms of being surprised because literally the entire game, I had no idea what to expect um, from this. We were we were doing the motion capture performance, the the performance capture of um, the character for the launch trailer, and you know I'd already recorded some dialogue for the game, but I didn't I didn't see any finished versions. I, I had no idea what I was looking at. I had no idea what to think, no idea what to expect, and. Um, it was, it seemed so ambitious. You know, I was on a lunch break for that performance capture session and, uh, one of our directors was basically, you know, I was saying, so when are you guys going to have this come out? And he's like, Oh, um, in January. And it was like, I think either November or October when, uh, when, when we were doing this and I thought, man, that's in like three months. Like, how are you going to get all this done and launch the game? And he, you know, he was saying, Oh, we're going to launch it all in one day. We're not going to advertise it beforehand. We're just going to literally like, you know, boom, here's the game free to play. And here's the launch trailer and it's available now. And I thought, wow, that's, that's really ambitious. I I don't know how that's going to work. You know, I was kind of like being cynical and skeptical. And uh, then all of a sudden it just exploded and then it hit, you know, 50 million unique, you know, players. And it was like, it was just incredible to think how worldwide it just, you know, it became such a big hit. And then that they liked Mirage. I mean, it was a, that was a fun thing. It was a neat opportunity for me to kind of get in and play around with a character and a role and work collaboratively with the writing staff at Respawn uh, and the director and to just come up with, you know, funny little quips that he might say and little ad libs, you know, that are peppered in here and there, that kind of thing. It, it's um, it, it's it's a blast. I love getting to, to portray Mirage. It's just such a fun. He's probably the most like me out of all of the characters I've ever. I'm not like Batman. I'm not like Ezio. I'm not like Captain America. But um, but Mirage with his little bit of false bravado, you know, um, uh, shallow ego that's very fragile that, you know, like he, he has his little self-deprecating comments at the end of every line like that very much. Uh, I can very much relate to that. No, because I, I, I can very much relate to him as well because every, like every time, like I interview someone who's like really big, I always like think to, in my head, like, Oh man, how am I, how am I going to get through this? Oh man, what if it, what if it goes wrong? What, you know, what yeah. if, you know, they don't like me and, it's it's and I relate to that. I'm like, man, these writers at Respawn get me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's just good. Like I say to, every, to 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 everyone, I go, look, good writing is good writing, guys, and it makes my job that much easier where I can really understand if they've really kind of thought through about would our character say this? Is this how our character would behave? It's like you know, that, and that's a, that's not an easy thing to do. Um, it, it takes a lot of time and, and effort and patience and rewriting and, and really kind of sitting down and being thoughtful with the way that you're creating, you know, dialogue and content. And they've, when you think about just the breadth of the dynamic that exists between all these characters that are in Apex Legends, they're all super definable, um, or, or they're all very well defined, I should say. And and yet they all kind of work and it's neat to be a little bit of like, you know, the, the sort of comedic relief, if you will. Although I would say Pathfinder is at just as much as uh, as Mirage with his funny little jokes. Um, but it's it's incredible what they've created, this world that they've created. And it's neat to see that that the fans like characters, you know, that they, it's yes. At the end of the day, it's a battle royale game and it's an intense video game to play. And it's a really difficult one to get good at. And, you know, it's like, but but it's still neat that peppered throughout that they managed to create a world and an environment and these characters that are that are likable and believable. And so, yeah, I've I've, I've had a blast getting to be a part of uh, of Apex. 
Well, I mean, if it if it's any for any if it means anything, you're much better at me than the game because you at least have one win. I have no wins. Oh, wins. you saw my one win yeah. yesterday. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, the one win. And, and and let's be honest, that wasn't me getting a win. That was me being on a team that won. Yeah, that was that was incredible. That was it was very funny. That I'm like, oh, there you go. I got a win. Look at me. All right. Yeah, it's uh. It's a tough game, and it's and I'm getting older, and it's like stuff gets uh, a little too fast for me, I think. So, uh, you know, my game my game pace is uh, is Chris uh, Chris Edgerly, who's the voice of Pathfinder. Um, yeah, he has a Twitch uh, streaming platform that he uses, and we've gone on there and played, you know, Apex with with some of the fans, and we'll, I'm sure we'll do it again at some point. But recently, we just played games um, just to, to to participate in the in the in his uh, Twitch stream and we played the human human uh, I think it's called human must fall or human fall flat I think it's called human fall flat um which is like this silly weird physics game um uh, and it's like problem solving and I was just laughing with him going this this game is much more my pace <laughs> it's like apex goes way too quick for me and all I do is die so let's just uh we'll stick with this game I mean, and Apex, like, has a lot of other great characters. I mean, I got to give a shout-out to a good friend of mine, a mutual friend of both of us, uh, Mela Lee, who plays uh, uh, Lifeline in that. She's she's great in that. She's phenomenal yeah. and such a human being. She's a really lovely human being, so it's neat that she gets, you know, she gets to be that that very capable sort of sassy character in there too. It's neat. And Hey man, like it's, it's, it's great. Like she told this really funny story of like her husband's like really big into apex and he called her up and he's like, yeah, baby, you're so great at, at this, that. And she's like, Oh man, thank you. No, I'm talking about lifeline. <laughs> oh, how funny. I love it. Oh man. No, I mean, it's such a great cast and it's such, it's, it's so nice seeing you guys like, cause you guys don't record together, but seeing you guys like during quarantine hang out on, on zoom calls is just like the best, the most heartwarming thing ever. It was neat. I was laughing. Like when we started this big text message chain, I just, I, at one point I commented on the text message chain. I'm like, you guys realize that we're doing what I think the majority of fans who really don't know how this industry works, assume that we're all doing <laughs> that we're all hanging out or that we're all you know, doing stuff together. And it's like, it's so rare. I mean, it really, it's really rare. You rarely have a chance to, to hang like that or to, 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 but I mean, again, that's, that is kudos to Respawn and EA and Respawn specifically with what they're doing, with the way they're handling the social media, with the way they're engaging the community of Apex Legends fans and with the way that they've embraced us as like you know, members of the production team. I mean, like the fact that they, you know, allow Chris to have his Twitch stream and that they allow us to do things and participate in stuff and reach out to the fans and support fan art. And, you know, um, it's that sometimes you don't get that. Sometimes you don't get that that kind of community with with her, uh, with other developers. And so for them to do that, it's like it's created this nice little big you know family environment for everybody to kind of be a part so it's pretty cool and and then of course you have the people messaging you saying how do i get this gun please tell me how do i get this gun <laughs> oh yeah or you know mirage needs a buff or fixed sbmm or you know all that kind of stuff so it's like yeah yet again it's like the internet's got to weigh in but it's for the most part the the apex fans are, are really cool and everybody just you know they'll pop into my timeline and it'll be like you know hey a pork chops bamboozle all that stuff. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I mean, cause I, cause I've, I've seen you like interact with people and, and it's, it's just so weird. Like seeing people come up to you and say, Hey, look at my, look at this fan art of Mirage dressed in a pork chop. And you're like, ah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yep. 
Crazy. Well, and she was doing that as a result of us like having a conversation during that uh, the the charity thing that we had done with uh, with GameSpot, uh, and somebody was saying like, "Would you cosplay, you know, as a as anything as like a food item or something like that?" And I was like, "I guess like a pork chop." Would he be? Would Mirage dress? And sure enough, um, oh, I I forget her. Uh, I think it sounds like a dude is her, uh, her is her Twitter handle, and she was like, "All right, I'll I'll draw it," and she just drew it right up. And it's like, there you go. There's 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 Mirage. Like, what have we done? We're creating memes. You know, it's like, and there's there's some very highly questionable fan art that exists and fan fiction that exists, and you know, it's just neat. It's what comes with when when people have a product that they like and a world that's been created for them that they enjoy. Like they, they, they take it and run with it. It's neat. It's neat to see. No, man. I just, I just love the memes I just, and all the, and all the jokes and all the Mozambique here <laughs> references. Oh, yeah. It's just, Oh yeah. It's Mozambique. Just yeah. It's just it's... The, the best gun in the game. <laughs> you, you get your first kill with it. <laughs> don't, don't lie. Don't lie. Y'all got your first kill with it. Come on. <laughs> You got you got to have some Mozambique love, and at this point, it's become its own meme, even within the structure of the game itself. So it's it's a lot of fun that it's still that it's still that it's still doing what it's doing. And um, yeah, man, how is you know we we touched upon social media before, and I know like you've um, you have an interesting relationship with social media because you know you. Um, you you know you because i've listened to another interview you did and you say like you know i don't post a lot of controversial stuff because i'm you know part of something big i mean i represent a lot of other companies and i got a lot of kids following me and whatnot and i'm just wondering like how how has social media like affected your career as a whole you know if anything it's it's something i'm just i guess maybe not wholly all that comfortable with um because I really, I really think that that just from a a social perspective, just from from a sort of global societal perspective, I don't think it's healthy. I think it's um, it's it's I mean, and there's data that you know correlates between the social media sort of like popularity and apps and phones and and you know smartphones and all this stuff and younger people that that are battling more depression and, and anxiety and feelings of inadequacy and com comparison and all that so i struggle with it a lot i i just on one level i i can understand like oh it's nice to have interactions with people um it's neat to be able to reach out and and connect all around the world but i also don't i just don't know i i don't it, fundamentally i don't think that the human brain is really ready to to kind of deal with this stuff when you think about the way it used to be before all this was if something embarrassing happened to you or if you made a mistake earlier in life um and it it, it might have been an embarrassing thing or a, a you know a life lesson learned and you might have had people in your neighborhood know about it or kids at your school or you know you know whatever group you might be belong to would would be aware of this but it wasn't worldwide and it wasn't anything that had to follow you forever um you know you were able to kind of navigate the world and navigate your life in a way where you felt like a sense of okay you know i i this is my journey i'm on this journey and and it's up to me to you know figure it out and learn and grow and do all that kind of stuff that's necessary um, as a as an imperfect human being, and now there's a tremendous risk and tremendous um, you know sort of fallout from from anything like that, and it, and it's and it can have repercussions that last forever, and you know 
it's like we're we're all very clearly struggling with how we navigate this stuff. And so, yeah, from a business perspective, I'm a little fascinated by why the industry places so much importance on it in terms of the number of followers that you have and all that, because it's something that can go wrong just as much as it can go right. You can have somebody who has millions of followers that you decide you want to hire them to be a voice on a show. And next thing you know, they tweet something that's deemed to be inappropriate um, and and it causes harm. And then the only winning move at that point is for you to drop that person from the show, which now you're recasting. You're having to go back and reshoot and re edit and it's now costing you more money and i always just think was it worth it i mean was it worth it to have you know the image of your entire production or all those other people that have been working hard on it to to potentially lose income as a result of this and so it's a strange strange thing it's um you know i just i keep trying to get back to 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 just keeping it to where it's like look i'm i'm a voice actor this is something that i do this is very likely why you're reaching out and following me to begin with um I try to keep it as, you know, uh, as apolitical as possible. I try to keep it as kid friendly as possible um, at all times. And and then I also try to just share a little bit of behind the scenes in terms of, hey, here's something I'm working on or here's a game coming out or here's a little self-promotion. And then more often than not, I'm trying to just share with you stuff that I'm interested in or or to elevate other people who I, I you know, I don't. I'm not a scientist. I don't work in any any of the STEM um, sort of industries, but um, but I'm always fascinated by that sort of thing. And so I try to promote the the work of other more intelligent people who have jobs that I find to be far more interesting, that are going to have a far more profound and positive effect on this world than I am as a as a voice actor. And and just you know stick with that kind of stuff. It's a the fascinating thing. I mean, I I I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, how old are you, if you don't mind my asking? Uh, Twenty nine will be thirty next uh, next month. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, what what's your feeling at it? You know, you're fourteen years my junior. Like, I don't know. Like, I can tell at forty four, as somebody who didn't grow up with social media, but it kind of came online. I think I was probably in my. Ugh, I don't think I was using Facebook when I was in my you know, mid twenties, I don't think. Um, and so, you know, for something that kind of just came online for me, you know, in the last, you know, sort of half of my life here, um, I can tell at 44 when I've spent too much time on the internet, on, on social media in general, um, or specifically, I should say, uh, because I get a little anxious or I start to feel a little like weird. And it's, you know, because of the comparative, you know, structure of everything. Let's go, oh, I'm not on that boat. I'm not eating that dinner. I didn't, my, my office isn't that cool or I'm not dating that person or I'm, you know, I, my muscles aren't big enough or, you know, it, it's like all the things that I think we inherently suffer from when we're on there too much. Like, does that, does that ring true for you as well? Yeah, man. I mean, I, I can't stand looking at Instagram more than, um, more than a couple minutes. Cause it's just, it's it's just people showing you the positive aspects of their lives and nothing else and i just hate that i really do it's either that or not or sometimes it's they're sharing horrific things or 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 things that i just you know it's like sometimes i've got colleagues that are sharing you know things being an advocate for like you know you name it um and they'll show horrific stuff that i think yeah but there's like a lot of little kids that are following you because you're the voice of blah blah blah, blah. and it's like that kind of stuff i i i just have that response and so i try to navigate it that way for me but i also still worry about you know what we're doing when we see all this stuff um it's you know on one level yes i understand that with uh 
with social issues, it's so profoundly important not to have that stuff be hidden away. But it's also like, man, we are also seeing little snippets of things. And it's like, like you say, when they, when it's only the positive element of it, it's like, look, if it's a really nice picture of your dinner, it looks real neat when it's all, you know, in this tidy little box. But, you know, if you could also show the, the horrifically messy kitchen and, you know, uh, you know, all the chaos that went into it, that would also make us probably feel better about like, okay, so it's not some perfect thing. It's like, you know, there's the, there's the first two attempts at it that burned and, you know, had to get thrown out or, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting thing that we, we start to look at this and kind of go, my life should be that way, or it should be better, or it's not as good, or I need to, you know, or, or we start to feel a sense of shame over, you know, the fact that we aren't, um, you know, where these people are at and therefore you feel like, uh, depressed or, you know, bummed out or, you know, so it's a, it's, it just covers so many different sort of emotional responses to stuff that I, I do. I, I'm, I'm not the most comfortable with it because I, it's not from a business standpoint per se, as much as it is just a human being. I just, I feel like it's kind of, it's not, uh, I don't know if the, if, if we, quite know what we're doing with it yet and and i think it is having a pretty pretty bad effect on a lot of us um i think some people manage it better than others but i think i think it can have a pretty profound effect on people and 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 kind of harm our ability to have gratitude for the things that we do have and all that kind of stuff so i don't know i mean i think um i mean because i had frida wolf on back last year and she just flat out said like she just detests social media and that's why she just doesn't have a Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, none of it. It's like, if you want me, you just come to me directly. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's how you should do it. Yeah. And I'm, I'll be honest. I, you know, it, it's, it's like, I, I can't believe that I have as many Twitter followers as I do. And yet I was having a conversation with somebody recently saying, you know, but it's still not enough. I mean, it's like, when is it enough? I, I guarantee you, if I got to a hundred thousand, then it would be like, all right, well now what do I try to get to 120,000 or do I, try to get to 300,000 or 400,000. If I, if I'm at half a million, do I think I'm a failure because I don't get a million followers? If I've only got a million, should I be trying to go for 2 million? It's like, when is it enough? And also what's the benefit? I mean, like I, you know, even with sharing my photography, I still tell people, I'm like, look, that I, I love that I get to share this hobby that I'm passionate about, but really and truly, even when I see my photographs, even if I'm pleased with the finished result, I look at it and I remember the memories and the moments that were associated with the photograph itself um, and the feelings behind it more than I do the actual picture. Um, and and that can't be captured by the picture is, is my point. And so for me, it's connection and interaction. I mean, like think about you and I could never do what we're doing right now on social media. It's like, this is a this is a conversation. This is you asking me questions, me answering, me asking you questions. It's like, you know, and that's you can't do that on that medium. It's so short form. It's very easy to be misunderstood. It's very easy for people to take things out of context and try to, you know, use it to to further their own issues or whatever it is that they want to come after you for or to feel a sense of power by taking you down or or sometimes we get it wrong and we, you know, we we get behind the wrong people and, and we make stars out of people who really probably shouldn't be stars. You know, it's like, it's a strange, strange, strange thing to, to be a part of. Uh, so yeah, I'm so conflicted with it. And I, I dream every day of just kind of going, I think I'll, I think I will eventually get to a point where I just go, I think everybody's going to be okay and I'll be okay without it. And it'll be a shame to, to miss out on 
some of the more pleasant exchanges, but even those people that I am appreciative of for their kindness, you know, in regard to how they've interacted with me on there, like, uh, they'll be fine, I'll be fine, everybody will be okay, and the world's gonna keep on spinning whether or not I'm on Instagram and Twitter, and anyway, so it's kinda like, I, I, I think I, I wonder if my life would really just get that much better if I was just off of it altogether. No, I mean, you know, it, it depends on, you know, how you personally feel about it, because I don't want to, like, say, oh, you should do this, you should do that, I, I hate being that guy, but it all depends on how you feel, man, you know, you, you just do what may, whatever makes you happy, because, let's be honest, like, that's all we got right now, that's all totally. we have. Well, that's, I mean, I, I've had a lot of conversations with friends where I just say, look, you know, it, it's kind of weird, and I think social media also promotes this approach in life, which is, everybody's trying to share ways about look at how look at how much i'm winning you know like 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 look how look how great i'm doing as if you know as if that's the goal like as if you know winning and getting it right it, which is you know is such a subjective thing to begin with as if that's what it's about and i don't know that it is because i i have a feeling like if i step outside right now and get hit by a bus and i'm bleeding out and the you know the, the lights are going out on my little world I doubt I'm going to worry about video game roles or, you know, uh, my job. I'm probably going to be thinking to the moments that I wish I had achieved or put more more effort into, which is usually the just some of the most quiet moments where I was either by myself or with somebody that I deeply loved. And it's like, that's the kind of stuff that I think we should be fixated and focused on, not likes and retweets and how good I look, you know, in my yoga pants when I'm up on the side of this mountain or whatever it is. It's like that stuff is it's kind of it's just sort of phony it's just it's just not as genuine as as the connections that we have with you know with other people or within ourselves you know like getting to know yourself like getting to feel calm or inner peace or quiet and all that kind of stuff so it's a it's a it's a tough thing like like when you say that's all we have it really and truly is I, you know we can't take any of this stuff with us you know when 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 the <laughs> when the gig is over it's over and it's not as if we're going to take this into some other realm or at least we nobody knows if we do or not so i'd rather not fixate and focus on you know that kind of an achievement i think i'd rather fixate and focus on the smaller moments that are more meaningful to me and me alone or to people that i care about and you know and and have that be what i sort of fill my life with rather than more followers and more retweets and more likes. Not to say that I'm not appreciative of my followers, um, but I think most people understand I'm, I'm pretty conflicted about social media as it is. So it's, uh, you know, they get it. No, and, I mean, they all together long enough. No, I mean, I feel the same way because as much as I, I mean, to me, like the most fun thing about doing this podcast is, you know, just talking to people. I don't care how many people listen to it at the end of the day. When it goes up, you know, I get like maybe one or two people listening or 12 or 13, fine, whatever. At the end of the day, if I, you know, if I don't end up having a good conversation, then I'm not going to be happy with it. I'm just going to yeah. be like, well, that was a waste of time, you know, or, you know, even with even if it was, it's like, you know, you learn something, you learn something either about that person or about yourself or about what you value, or maybe there's a way that you could ask questions differently the next day, like all these, these are all those experiences that happen when you're living your life and not just sitting on social media where you get to kind of either be forced to react to something um, or the expectation is that you should be reacting uh, to something because after all, look how freaky this is or how funny this is or how tragic this is or whatever it might be. It's like, instead of that, you're, you're having conversations, you're, you're learning lessons about yourself through actual interactions with a 
person through conversation or, you know, what it's like for you to have to send out and reach out to, to representation and say, could I have an interview with your client or, you know, all the work and effort that goes into this. Most people would never understand what it takes for you to be able to do this to begin with. And all they do is click on a, you know, a link to, you know, this recording and then they can easily sit back and judge whether or not they like it or not. And it's like, yeah, but you don't know, you don't know what, what, you know, Abdullah's doing in order, in order to get all this stuff to happen. And it's like, if they did, they'd probably have a little more appreciation for it and a little more, you know, relaxed approach and be like, man, this guy's, this guy's doing a pretty good job. Look at what he's doing. Look who he's you know, talking to and how he's getting it all done and scheduled and waking up at four in the morning to record these things. It's like all that stuff that we don't see that when we see these perfect little boxes on social media. And, and that's the thing that really annoys me because like I told you, like before we started recording, like. I'll be honest, like when I got that email notification saying, can you interview Roger on Thursday? I cried. I legit, I legit cried because I'm like, I went from seven rejections from a bunch of wonderful people I really wanted to reach out to and talk to. And then, you know, I get this big break, like, you know, someone I really wanted to talk to because I really, you know, I, I listened to your, to your, to other to other, um, I'm tearing up, man. Um, I listened to like another interview where you talked about struggling with, you know, those doubts and I could relate yeah. to that. And I'm like, I got to reach out to this guy. Cause I, I just got to tell him how, like, I, I relate to that so much and how he gets it and how, and how I struggle with doing the show. Like, I mean, cause I, I'm struggling with this. Like this, after, well, I mean, because after the Corona thing hit, like it, it yeah. got harder to, to reach out to people. And I just was being ignored constantly. And it was just heartbreaking. And, and, and I was just having so many doubts. But at the end of the day, I just said, you know, you got to just keep moving forward. And it doesn't matter who comes on. It could be like a big person or a little person. But my, yeah. but I want to come on here and have the best conversation I can have with that person and maybe well, make, a, and maybe make a friend at the end of the day. Who knows? <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm flattered that it means that much to you. And I think your audience would hear that and kind of go, oh, there's a genuine guy. This isn't just, you know, this isn't just about you trying to become popular or, you know, or famous or whatever it might be. It's it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're seeking connection and really and truly, I mean, that's the hard part about social media is that like on one level, we think we're really doing that, but on another level, we're not, we're not, it's not the same level of, of connection and you know i mean the the doubts and all that kind of stuff just because i've i've booked roles or have been at a career long enough doesn't mean that i'm still not constantly evolving and still not constantly evaluating myself and still not constantly struggling with my own inadequacies and my own feelings of you know the self-loathing or fear or anxiety or depression or all the things that like human beings go through. It's just like the problem. That's kind of the problem with social media is like you guys, I mean, a lot of people I'm sure think that it's just like happy go lucky all the time and little fart jokes and, you know, and pretty birds and, you know, star pictures and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, but I'm also just as, as broken a human being as most other people are. Um, you know, it's like, it, it's, it's, it's got its challenges and whatnot and trying to find that balance between, well, I don't want to like depress people or I don't want to like, you know, uh, unload on folks, you know, all of my life's little problems, but there's, there's times when you can sit there and say like, yeah, no, no, I promise you there's a very real human being behind all this because at the end of the day, that's what we all are. That's, it's, you know, the problem with entertainment is that it, you know, it can consume people 
in terms of like from a work perspective. And then also the finished product can look so perfect that it's not a really good representation of like what's going on. And so it's a it's a fascinating time to be alive. You know, I struggle with the social media thing because of that lack of, you know, sort of sincerity that I think is inherent, you know, with it. But it's also a fascinating thing to, to witness because it's also opened the doors for us to kind of globally connect and and uh, and see things in very quick, you know, fashion as to, to what's going on in the world. And it's like that's so it's a powerful tool. Um, some people use it for for good and some people use it for evil. So it's uh yeah, it's an interesting time to be alive. Yeah, man. I mean I honestly dude, like every day I wake up nowadays, the world makes so little sense to me. I'm like I I'm just struggling to just make sense of it all cuz before yeah. cuz before I had like the 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 sense of normality and and I'm like yeah, I would see some horrific stuff and but at the end of the day I could see like the good as well, but now it's like what even is going on anymore? What is reality anymore, you know? Well, and maybe from that, I mean, like when you think about any sort of element in your life that you've dealt with struggle or uncertainty or adversity or anything like that, usually on the other side of it is is a tremendous amount of like growth and lessons learned. And yeah, it sucks to be uncomfortable and it sucks to be uncertain and it sucks to have no idea what's going on. It sucks to be living in fear. It sucks to, you know, the, a lot of the things that have been going on with a pandemic and the social issues that have come to the forefront. It's like this is this is all happening at a time when a lot of us are having to like kind of just sit down and really sort of be alone because of the uh, the social distancing and the uh, all these issues that have that have sort of given the world you know for once a collective sense of what on earth is going on um, and uh, and yet I think there's going to be a tremendous amount of growth I think there's a lot of life lessons that are being learned right now and I you know maybe we needed a good sort of a wake up call to you know this instant gratification and this 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 ease of things that that technology has brought to us and all that like it's not it's not everything it's not about just the social media stuff it's also about you know for me it's like being quiet and getting small and kind of being reminded of you know oh that's right I'm alive I'm I'm okay this is you know I have no idea what this week is going to be like or what next week's going to be like but that doesn't have to mean that I should dread it it just means that I'm kind of uh, uncertain right now but I'll I'll try to manage today. I'll strive for some happier moments and try to make somebody else happy and then go to bed and try to see what see what tomorrow brings. I have no clue. Um, and maybe as a result of us having to all kind of go through that collectively, um, maybe we're going to be better for it. I would hope so. That's tends to be the, how the human spirit seems to work. I mean, you know, to quote Alfred, you know, why do we fall to get back up? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So we can learn. Hey, yo, is it so we can learn to pick ourselves back up, or what was that, or pick ourselves up again? Like, yeah, I should know this. <laughs> I should know that. From, I should technically know that quote as Batman, but yeah, exposed, Roger. Exposed. It wasn't, it wasn't. Let me let me call you out from the nerddom. I do believe it was uh, it was Bruce Wayne's father that uh, that said that, right? At least from the. I'm trying to think of the. Was it Batman Returns or I'm trying to remember which live action one, but it was the scene where he falls down the well and his father is there, gets lowered down and says, you know, why do we fall so we can learn to pick ourselves up or something like that. And then Alfred was always reciting that. I think that's you're going to find out because once once this is out there, the Internet's going to let you know whether or it's going <laughs> to let me know if I'm wrong. So because that's the way the Internet also works is <laughs> you're wrong. You're not Kevin Conroy. You'll never be yeah, Kevin exactly. Conroy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're not Kevin Conroy because he would know that. I'm like, I'm, it's okay. I'm sorry. 
Oh man, no. It, it, see, I told you guys it was gonna get into like weird territory and and just man. There we go. <laughs> Three four. <clears throat> no, um, you know, but speaking of like current events, like how are you holding up, man? Like how are you dealing with with the current situation we're in? Oh, I'm fine. I mean, really and truly, it's like you know, uh, it, it's it, the industry's been impacted. Um, you know, and it's it definitely it's completely slow. But I'm fortunate that I still get to work from home, and I I've been set up with a home recording studio for a really long time. I've had that. I've been doing retail work from home and promo work from home since like 2006, 2007, I think. Um, so it's you know it it's been uh, I've been established there, and um and so it wasn't too much of a uh, of a of a hindrance for me in terms of like oh man I got to get a home recording studio set up or that kind of thing. Um. And, you know, work has definitely slowed down, um, but I'm still doing jobs. So I had a session just this morning. I had a session yesterday, two sessions yesterday. I have another session tomorrow. So it's like, this is this is nice. This is a, a that's a, a, a wonderful problem to have in life, which is to say that it's, I am, as I've been saying, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be healthy, for one, and mildly inconvenienced. So, uh, and I'm such a, like a shut in and such a, a hermit in a lot of ways that it's like, I'm very happy to just be, you know, doing this stuff from home anyway. I've, I've hated getting on the LA freeways for, you know, <laughs> going on 15 years now. Um, so it's like, I'm very happy to, to not be having to drive everywhere and do all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's uh, this is, this is kind of my dream come true to have to sit at home and do work from home. I'm like, yes, please. Oh, so, well, yeah. I mean, you and Nika Futterman are like two big, like the two biggest introverts I can think of right That's now. Too- Yep. No, I'm I'm quite pleased to be right where I'm at. So, and, you know, but it's 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 awful to see what's happening in the world. But so I'm I'm very fortunate um, to, like I say, be just inconvenienced. Um, but as many people are, but some people are suffering and that's not good. So it's uh, I'm grateful to be not worried about my health right now and uh, and to still be able to work. And, you know, that's not a bad existence. You know, we'll see what tomorrow brings. But but there there has to be like a part of you that misses like hanging out with your colleagues because you you guys form friendships that last decades, you know. For sure. I mean that's but that's the other nice thing about thankfully we're this is happening at a time when the communication can still be there. You know, text message chains and Zoom calls and you know Skype and FaceTime and you know email and uh, the ability to still be able to instantaneously connect is is crucial to this. Um, so yeah, it, and it's been nice being able to visit that. I'm I'm you know doing a poker game you know with some buddies through a Zoom call uh, right after this. So it's like you know that's uh, colleagues who get together to do stuff like that. Um, you know it's 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 still there. Um, and you know I miss going out and and grabbing a drink with like you know Fred Tattashore after a session or that kind of thing but you know it, it, we can still get the work done that's that's the nice part and those moments can still be can still be had and they are definitely you know in our future but i think for the time being so crucial that we figure out what we're doing here so um, isn't it weird like a couple years ago everyone was like ah why do we need these why do we need stuff like skype and zoom and all that stuff why can't we just call people or why why can't we just like talk to people face to face and then when, yeah. the, when then when the pandemic hit it's like well <laughs> better get used to yep. it <laughs> yeah yeah isn't that funny I mean, it's like, you know, it's uh, like I said, we're learning a lot about ourselves throughout all of this. So it'll be it's a fascinating time to be alive. Um, 
Well, I mean, I don't want to keep you on too much because I think we, you know, I think you're probably like sick of this by now at this point. But, um, you know, in closing, what advice would you give to, to, to people who want to get into the industry? You know, I, I struggle with this all the time. I used to I used to say like to read. Um, and first of all, I'm not sick of this at all. Duh. Um, <laughs> I, uh, no, I, I, I struggle with um, that as an answer all the time. And, and, and truly for me, it's, um, I used to say, you know, like, you know, go to D Bradley Baker's website, go read, you know, Yuri, uh, and Tara's book. Um, you know, and you should still do that. You should always educate yourself on this as much as you can. And there's never been a better time to do that with the internet. You've got no shortage of, of, of resources available to you to learn and to gain information and all that. But, and I, I also used to tell people like, look, you're never going to have my career. And then, then I would follow it up with, and I'm never going to have yours. I don't know what you bring to this industry. I, I could tell you to go do everything that I did to get started, but because I'm me and you're you doing it the way that I did, it might not work for you. Um, you might not be comfortable with that approach or, you know, it's like, and, and I would be uncomfortable going about it the way you want to go about it for all I know. So it's, I, I think now it's more about if you're really and truly legitimately curious, um, just keep staying that way. Keep feeding that curiosity about the next, the next learning moment that's, that's sort of associated with whatever goal you think you're trying to achieve. Cause you're, you're sort of, um, the, the thing you're aiming at is going to keep shifting. Um, as you gain more information and as you learn more. So just feed and keep nurturing your curiosity if it's legitimate and you're passionate about it, everything else is going to fall in line um, because you're going to, you're not going to stop. You know, if I, if you say, what's the one bit of advice you could give? And I tell you, read Yuri and Tara's book and then you read their book and you go, but that didn't do anything for me. Then what was the point? You know, it's like, if you really are curious about this, you're going to read their book. You're going to take something from that book and you're going to go, you know what I need to do? I think I need to register my domain name. So I think I'm going to look into how that works. Oh man, now I got to learn how to build my own website. Well, what's that about? You know, it's like you start, you know, and if all of this is because you want to be able to say, I am a voice actor, here's my website and my demos are available on my website. Well, you got to figure out how you're going to do that. And there's, I mean, it's just, it's just like, there's just all sorts of little things I could tell you what to do along the way, but it's like, whether or not you're going to do them, um, that's completely up to you. And that has everything to do with your level of curiosity, drive and passion and stick to and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, that's, there's nothing I can do to help you in that regard. So I, you know, that's not much of an answer. It's more just like, Hey, believe me, I I've been thinking about this for a long time, but it's like, just go make it happen. I, and how you're going to do that. I, I couldn't tell you. I could it, look, you, you should obviously in this day and age be gathering as much intel and information as you can on this business. Um, but the way that you're going to do it and go about it is entirely up to you. It doesn't matter what I tell you to do. No, I mean, I, I'm, uh, I'm thankful that you gave like an honest answer and it's not and not the stereotypical. It's not about act. It's not about uh, vo voices. It's about acting. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. I can tell you. And this is Bob Bergen's absolutely correct in that. I took his animation voiceover class many, many years ago, which is literally how I got discovered by my agency at the time that, that, that ended up hiring me or not hiring me, but but bringing me on to represent me. Is that yes? It is. It's five percent voice and ninety-five percent character, or when character is acting. Um, but again, I can tell you that, and then it's like, 
what are you going to do with it? You know, it's like, it's like, it's totally up to you. It really, it's like, I did weird little, you know, uh, press the flesh, you know, uh, you know, uh, hit the ground and, and go out and, and meet people. And I put on a suit and tie and took, you know, the world's worst voiceover demo to post-production studios and knocked on doors and did all that stuff. I don't know that that's going to work because that's what was working for me 15, 16 years ago, you know, 17 years ago at this point. So it's kind of like, that might not work for you because it's that was what it was like for me back then when we were still using CDs. Now everything's on MP3 or, you know, on the Internet somewhere. And it's like I don't think anybody's sending an actual CD demo anywhere anymore. So it's kind of like, you know, you shouldn't go do that. <laughs> so if I tell you to do what I did, probably not going to work for you. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's uh, it really and truly is up to the individual at all points. Everybody who's in this business has a different way that they got in. So it's almost always very unique. Well, man. As much as it pains me to say this, you know, we got to wrap it up. And th thanks so much for doing this, man. This has been a wonderful conversation. Abdullah, thank you. I appreciate uh, I appreciate the, uh, the the reaching out to me, and I'm glad it worked out. It was there. It is, man. It was it was meant to be. You you, you were having some 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 uh, some negative news, and then you know I'm I'm happy. Uh, although I would question your judgment, but I'm happy uh, to, <laughs> that getting to interview me was. Uh, was a little bit of a bright spot so uh, uh thank you for uh, for asking and we would love to have you back anytime man anytime i would love to thank you man let's uh let's wait and see what else we got coming with uh with apex and other fun stuff on the way and maybe we'll have something exciting to talk about okay cool i'll keep in touch see ya excellent you as well sir thank you again and go uh get some sleep <laughs> bye-bye all right bye-bye abdullah thanks very much